All right, let's put our hands together. Let's, let's just say we love our middle school kids. <laughs> Do you remember when you were in middle school? You needed all the help you could get. So thank God for our middle school. And uh, please keep listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. I'm going to be talking for a while, but my voice is not the most important voice in this room. The Spirit of God is speaking to people here. And there are people here today, and, and I'm just going to say it again. This is your day. You came in one way, and you're going out another way. It's going to be turned around in the name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus. And we're in a series that's looking at how Jesus would like the church to be, the church defined by the founder of the church, by Jesus. It literally creates the DNA of hope. And so the first week we talked about that we want to be a church that is defined by loving people the way that Jesus loves them. He loves people unconditionally. He loves them purposefully with an objective of bringing them into the family of God. And he loves them mercifully in kindness. Then last week we talked about uh, living like Jesus. The high, Jesus was high in his ethics and morals. He lived the word of God and he calls us as his followers, to not live low lives, but to live high. Lives of excellence. Lives that are always straining, moving forward in excellence. And today we're talking about giving like Jesus. Uh, Jesus was probably the most generous person who ever lived. He came to give his life. He purposed in his life, I'm coming to the planet to give my life. In fact, if you summed up what Jesus felt about giving, he's quoted and it says that Jesus himself says, hey, I want you to know this about giving and generosity. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And can you see the truth in this? He says, um, there is a blessing in generosity and it blesses you in a way that you will never ever receive by keeping your hand out to get but you will receive when you extend your hand to give. Jesus gave generously of his time. In fact, think about Jesus. He existed in eternity before coming into this planet. So he literally moved into time to give us time. That's a philosophic thing, but just think about that. Jesus, who was in eternity, moved into time so he could share time with us. He gave freely of his talents. He would be exhausted many days uh, by just going around teaching and preaching, um, praying and healing people. He gave his time for people. He gave his treasure. If Jesus had it, he shared it with you. He was generous. And so we as people of Jesus, praying in our generation for a Jesus revolution, a Jesus revival, and our nation needs one in the worst way, and we're praying for that, we want to align ourselves with Jesus. And one of the ways we align ourselves with Jesus is just choosing to be generous, choosing to be people who give. And we're going to look at Jesus' teaching on uh, giving and some of the things he said. And we want to learn uh, our view of generosity from Jesus. The first thing I just want to emphasize as we go through this is that when we give, we give for the glory of God, you may say, 
or we give to honor God. This is the chief reason we give. There are many blessings. <laughs> when Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, there's many blessings of giving. And I pray uh, that you would move to a new level of blessing. Not one amen, but I'm going to tell you. I'm probably, I had somebody talk to me uh, after last night's message. I said, Pastor, uh, we love this church uh, because when you are praying over the giving, you pray that God will bless us. We said, we've never gone to a church where they prayed that we would be blessed. And they said, Pastor, God is answering your prayers. I said, I'm going to give that as a testimony. I pray that you are the most blessed people that you possibly could be, and whatever level of blessing you've been at, you're ready to upgrade today. And then, so there's many, but get this. If you bless, God's going to bless you. I'm going to talk about that. But that's not the chief reason we give. We give to honor God. We give for his glory. We give for his honor. We honor God with our offering, with our tithe. We honor him. Jesus teaches us about honoring the kingdom of heaven above the kingdom of this earth. And he says, don't lay up or lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So how Jesus did it, he invested in the heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of God. If you lay up in heaven, then moths aren't going to get at it and rust isn't going to get at it and thieves aren't going to get at it. No one's going to be able to take it away from you. Then he teaches us this important fact, that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And he goes on to teach that giving is about honoring somebody. Uh, I would say that most of you handled some money sometime this last week. Credit card is handling money. Check is handling money. Uh, Apple Pay is handling money. And you did something with that money. You invested it somewhere. And he says, when you give, you're honoring or you're serving. And he says this, uh, no one can serve two masters. Either you're serving the masters of this world. He just saw that. Give into heaven's kingdom, not the masters of this world. Or you're giving to honor God. No one can do two things. <laughs> this is true. No one can do two things at one time. I know you try to multitask, but it doesn't work. That's a whole other teaching, but multitasking doesn't work. Stop it. I'm just pastoring, just trying to help you out, guys. Just trying to help you out. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted, devoted to one and despise the other. So he's talking about being devoted. He's just talking about giving, and then he brings it home. Uh, you can't serve God. You can't honor God and honor money at the same time. When you give, you are giving honor to whatever you let your money flow to. When it flows into Publix, it's honoring your tummy. That's okay. I'm, I'm for eating. Uh, when it flows uh, into your gas tank, it's honoring whoever, whatever you get your gas. Your, your money honors. The proverb says long time ago that with our wealth, with our income, with what we have, our natural resources, we should honor God. We should give him the first fruits. That's why, like Jesus says in Matthew 23, 23, we practice what Jesus tells us to practice. We practice tithing. Tithing is taking a portion, 
Tithe means 10, 10%. We take the first portion of our income. Darla and I have done this all of our married life because we did it as single people before we got married. The first portion of our income, and we give that first before we do anything else with our finances. We give it to God because we, we just, in our hearts, it's an act of worship and honoring God. We say, God, we honor you. You gave everything for us. We're giving you the first fruits, the tithe, the offerings, and we give gifts above that. Just turn that because when you, when you don't give, you give the enemy opportunity to dishonor God. The accuser to stand and say, God, you gave your life for all these people and you ask them to be generous and look, they're not being generous. That's dishonoring to God. So when we give, However you choose to give into the kingdom of God, by check, by however you do it, every time you give, say a prayer that says, God, I am honoring you. I honor you. And as you honor him, he opens up unbelievable opportunities. Blessings, right, that Jesus said. One of the blessings that happens is that it invites the miraculous. Get, get this, please. Giving, generosity, is a key to the miraculous. How many would agree that Jesus lived a miraculous life? <laughs> and this is, he so loved the world that he gave, that was the key. If, if God the Father never gave us Jesus, if Jesus never came to give his life, we'd never have the miraculous. But Jesus came and giving was a key to opening up the miraculous. There's a story that's found in the Gospels, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. It's such an important story that it's in each one of the Gospels. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And it's just one example of this principle we're talking about. Feeding of the 5,000, Jesus had been teaching all day long, and, and the people were out listening to him. And you may not know this, but it was a Sunday, and Chick-fil-A was closed. So when the people got hungry, they were in a panic, like, what are we going to do? And uh, the disciples are, are sensitive. It says there's 5,000 men, so you know there were more than 5,000 people. If you got 5,000 dudes, you got at least 5,000 dudettes. And then some kids on top. It's probably 15,000. It's a lot of people. And, 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 they, and here's what, watch what Jesus says. Get this. Get this principle. Because it shows us about generosity. And when they come and say, Jesus, we got a problem. We need a miracle. Jesus, we need a miracle. What does he say to them? You give them something to eat. Now get this, because every miracle in the Bible, if you find one that's not like this, you let me know. Every miracle that I can find in the Bible, people have faith, and then they do something. You can have all the faith in the world, but if there's the missing do something issue, the miracle doesn't take place. Get that. Because Jesus says, what do you got? What do you got to give? And this little boy, I just love this little guy. This little guy, he went all in for Jesus, man. He, he had five loaves and two fish. Now, just you look at thousands of people, got five loaves, two fish. But he went all in. He put his hand up, said, here's what I got. And he pushed it all in. And that act of giving and generosity was a key to a miracle. 
a key to a miracle that fed 5,000 people, and then as Jesus operates, 12 baskets overflowing after that the little guy took home to his mother. That would have been a beautiful, that's not in the Bible, but I'm sure that happened. Just imagine, just imagine the little guy coming back home with 12, one, one each disciple. That's how I think. Okay, you, got, you get one Peter, you get one basket. John, you get about James. Okay, go take that stuff back to the little boy's home. And he's toping home with his 12 baskets full. The door opens up. Mom says, what's this? This is my 12 baskets I invested. I, I gave and God did a miracle. He fed 5,000 5, men. They were pretty hungry. There were some middle school kids there. They ate like twice as much as everybody else. And then left over, this amount came back to us, Mom. We invested, we gave, we opened up five loaves and two fish, we got 12 baskets full. That's just how the God works. In your life, I wish you'd get this. When you need the miraculous, don't hold back in generosity. Don't hold back. The generosity is the key to the miraculous. In fact, the land and the property and the, 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 the facility that we're in here uh, is, is the result of a miracle. Uh, many years ago, we worshipped in a gymnasium for years, and finally we outgrew the gymnasium. And um, we had to go looking for some property to expand the ministry. And uh, we found this piece of property, 50 acres right along I-75. And I remember standing up in front of a small group of people and saying, well, praise the Lord. We, God has led us to a land. We're going to call it the land of hope. And, and it only cost $1.7 million. And I said, I'm going to say it fast because it doesn't sound so bad. 1.7. Now, you have to understand, like, we weren't even at the level of resource we're at. Now, we were like, this was, a, this was a, just to say that number would be like, okay, we're going to feed 15,000 people today. Just to say it, it was. And, uh, and I know the miraculous giving that took place, I, like, probably better than most people, because people would share with me their level of generosity and what they did. And there was an incredible, that small group of people uh, went all in. They pushed like the loaves and the fishes. It was an all-in moment. They pushed it all in, and they gave an, one offering. They gave a million dollars cash. It's only happened, only happened one time. I'd like it to happen again. <laughs> That's just me talking, though. That's, that'd be great. But we needed it. You don't do that every day. We needed it. Like, Jesus needed food. What do you got? So we just said to the people, what do you got? Push it in. And uh, then it took us like over a year working with our beloved county officials. Just like get, getting things, if per permission. And our contract ran out. And, the, and the, the, the trust that was selling us this property said, oh, we knew it was too much for you guys. We knew you couldn't do it. We knew that, that we wouldn't have. And he said, by the way, uh, how much money do you have in the bank for this? pushed our little chairs to the table, and we said, uh, we have a million dollars in the bank. His eyes got big. He was amazed, because that was a miracle for us to have that much. It was a miracle. He said, will your bank write a letter and certify that you have a million dollars in the bank? We, Absolutely, because that's what it's there for. We're pastors. We're not lying to you. We're telling you the truth. We're not making up that number. It was a real number. Now, now, now 
When you look now, like we're years after that, and just look at what's happening even around us now, let me tell you, this property is worth way more than 1.7. And we're sitting, everybody in the, you can't come into Sarasota without coming by our front door. And we gotta get that tower repaired. Come on, we're gonna, yes, hallelujah, we gotta get that done. I'm, 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 we gotta have some giving for that, but let's talk about that later. This is true. It's just like it's expensive and we, it's hard. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. I just want to pause in this moment just show you. It, you think of every miracle in the Bible. Somebody gave something. Because giving opens up the miraculous. Giving takes things that are impossible and makes them possible. Now, you don't have to have a lot. You've got to have the right attitude and be generous with what you got. That's what that little guy was. He was generous with what he's got, and then God puts his super on our natural, and that's where the possible becomes seen and manifest. Okay, third thing. It helps. This is all, this is a big one for those of us that live. How many of you live in North America? This is a big one for us, because this, this spirit, which... Jesus would call a spirit of mammon, and mammon is actually a spirit. So it's a, a, a money spirit. Uh, materialism, we would call it materialism, is a huge lie that has seized North America, by and large, because people are looking for joy, but most people look for joy in the material world. You know that. We are living in a material world. <laughs> I know. I know you come from my singing. I know that's why you come. But that, 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 that philosophy, I'm going to find some joy in the material world. If I get enough stuff, if I get the right material, if I get the right material on me, or I, I'm driving in the right material, or I'm living in the right material, then I'm going to find joy, and that is a lie. Jesus one day was standing watching people give, and he calls his disciples over and says, you got to check this woman out. Here's the story. He says, he called the disciples to him and said, I, I want to show you this poor widow. She's put in more than all of those who are putting money into the offering right now. And they're scratching their heads saying, come on, Jesus, we know. We know some people that gave in the offer. They probably gave more than her. But it wasn't what she gave. It's what she had left. And he goes on to say that. They contributed out of their abundance. They just th threw in a little extra, just a little bit extra. When she came, she went all in. She gave out of her poverty. What was she saying when she gave? She was saying, my source of life is not in the material. I'm actually trusting things outside the material world to supply my, I am not trusting in material things. I'm trusting in God. We stamp that on our money, but it's hard to live. In God we trust. It's our state motto. Florida, that's our state motto. In God we trust. But how you handle your finances shows if, if materialism is seizing you or giving is what breaks the back of that. 
because there is more to this world than the material. That's, that's been taught for years in theology, but now science is catching up to this. I don't know if you read about quantum physics. There's a light read in the morning for you. I was reading, I was reading recently about quantum physics. Yes, hallelujah, quantum physics, yes, for devotions in the morning. Uh, Paul Davies and John Gribben has written a, a book called The Matter Myth. The, the premise is that you, you think you're sitting on a solid matter chair, but don't be so sure. Because when you went to school, when, when a lot of us went to school, they taught us about atoms, that atoms were like the smallest component of the universe. Now quantum physics and chaos theory has come along and particle theory and said, no, 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 no. You go deeper than the atom and you find out there's a whole other dimension at work that we can't see. This lady knew that a long time ago. She said, there's a dimension at work I can't see. I'm given what I can see because I know there's something I can't see. It breaks. Here, here's a little light reading for you. Then came along quantum theory and totally transformed our image of matter. The old assumption that the microscopic world of atoms was simply a scaled-down version of the everyday world had to be abandoned. Newton's deterministic machine was replaced by a shadowy, paradoxical conjunction of waves and particles governed by laws of chance rather than the rigid rules of causality. So, somebody say hallelujah or something, I don't know. At extension of the quantum theory goes even beyond this point, it paints a picture in which solid matter dissolves away and is replaced by weird excitations and vibrations of invisible field energy. Quantum physics undermines materialism because it reveals that matter is far less than we thought it was. Substance is what we might have believed in, but matter doesn't matter that much anymore. Let the church say amen. <laughs> we just say, here's the big thing. It's, just, it's science catching up to what this woman knew. I'm holding something tangible in my hand, what the world says is tangible, but I'm trusting in something that's not tangible. And when you give, you break the back of materialism. And you say, in God I trust. And that is a releasing point to new blessings. And that's what Jesus said. We started with that verse. We'll come back to it here. Say, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Arousing, rounding responses. Yeah, that's just really encouraging. I'm going to preach even better now. You watch that. Giving, and we all should get this, giving increases blessing. Jesus takes us into the world of agriculture, and he teaches us, we all know this, that when you, when you put a seed in the ground, it grows up, and you put one seed in, and always more comes out of what is sown. And he teaches us that, that there's a blessing in generosity. And literally, the church of Jesus would be a more blessed place. And when it, as we pray for this Jesus revolution, we need to be seized and filled with the spirit of Jesus. And the spirit of Jesus is radical generosity. Radical. He was a radical, generous liver. And he loved, which was the first 
uh, principle we talked about, the first value, but his love manifests practically in generosity and giving. And he says this to us, give and it's going to come back to you. Give and it's going to be given to you. And here's how it's coming back to you. And he uses this extensive language, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's going to be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it's going to be measured back to you. When you catch this, you will experience greater blessing. I just want you to know that. Just, and, and test it. We always say test it. We, we tell people, I know, because tithing is a big concept, and people are like, ooh, tithing. So I, I, I even say, well, start small. I know this is not maybe theologically the best, but start small. Try a little bit. Or, to, or go all in. And we, 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 have, we have God's guarantee. We, if you will tithe for 13 weeks and you're not blessed like it's promises, if you're not blessed, then we will give you your money back. I know people look at me like, yes. So 24 years I've been in this church, and for 24 years we've offered God's guarantee. And anyone, anyone that has taken us up on it comes back and says, I should have been doing this sooner. So just test it out. What do you you have to lose? Nothing. No, so I know Malachi. If you read Malachi the prophet, and he talks about tithing, he says, when you don't tithe, you rob from God. Which is an interesting concept, because how do you rob from God? He has everything. And what he doesn't have, he can make. All he has to do is let there be, and it is. So how, how do you, how can you possibly rob, here's what you rob, you rob God's ability to bless you. That's what you rob. Have you ever had kids or no kids or have seen kids on the street? And kids, and, and so, sometimes your parent or your grandparent doing that high holy calling of being a grandparent. And you, and, you, and you want to bless, you want to bless the little boogers. Maybe you have like a, a plan, okay, we're going to go to Disney. Or we're going to go get ice cream or more healthy, Froyo. We're going to go, but then the little boogers are disobedient. And you have this little talk. I wanted to take you to Disney, but I can't. Because you've been disobedient. The little boogers have robbed you of the ability to bless. You'd like to bless. In fact, you know there'd be more joy. You would enjoy it. But the little boogers, because of their disobedience, have robbed you of the opportunity to bless. And that's what goes on. God says, if you knew the heart of God towards you, how good he is, and how much he is waiting, he, he, he has more than the magic kingdom. He's got the kingdom of God. And it's not led by a big mouse. Led by the King of Kings and the Lord. And he said, I want to bless, I want my kingdom to bless you. So please, he says, please, you always hear, please, please don't rob me of the opportunity to bless you. Because generosity increases blessing. Even when Jesus went to the cross, 
and he, and he gave everything. So you see the radical generosity of Jesus on the cross. He gave his life, his life's blood, his life's energy, his life. But Hebrews says that while he was doing that, he was investing for the joy that was before him. He was looking beyond the cross. And he was looking for the joyful moment that you would allow your life to be turned around, that you would, what the Bible calls repent, which is actually a turn, the Holy Spirit's calling us to that today, a turning to Jesus, and that he was considering it will be such a joy when you are in the family of God. He's already, he's already signed the adoption documents. He's already paid for your adoption into the family of God. All you have to do is receive it. And that gives him great joy. And that's why he went all in. Because he knew, if I invest, if I give, oh, there is joy that will fill the house. Generosity changes the atmosphere. We, we saw that in a dramatic way uh, this week. Darla and I happened to be in Dallas, Texas, They're playing Green Bay today. We've got to pray about that. Okay. That's a whole other sermon right there. But. And uh, they've been having a legal case. It's really a tragedy. Um, Officer Amy Geiger got into her, what she thought was her apartment room, but it wasn't. She was on the wrong floor, and she came into an apartment and Botham was sitting on the couch, and she pulled her gun and she killed him. And uh, the trial was held, and she was uh, guilty. And then they have before the sentencing victim impact statements, where the victims that have been affected by the tragedy get on and explain their feelings. It gives them a chance. I think it's a good thing that we do in our judicial system. And Brant. Teenage, teenage, 18, teenage brother of Botham gets on the stage, or the, the, the stand. Thank you very much for helping me out. Obviously, you've been to court. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the terminology, that's all. I don't know if you saw, but he got on the stand. And he starts talking to Amy. And he says, um, I'm not speaking for anyone else, no one else in my family. I'm speaking for me. I want you to know I forgive you. He, he also went on to say, the, the one great desire I have is that you would give your life to Christ. So obviously, Brent is a follower of Christ. This is where you, people wonder, where, where do you find forgiveness? Jesus, the great giver. In the word forgive, the word give is there. There's something that's given in forgiveness. He said, I want to forgive you. I want you, I want you to give your life to Christ. And he comes to the end of his, his, his victim impact statement. It was really nothing about him being a victim. It was all about her as he generously gave grace to the woman that had murdered his brother. Then he comes to the end of his talk and he says, Your Honor, uh, could, I please, could I please hug Amy? Whew. 
You had to ask two times. Because it, it was shocking. This isn't done. This is over the top. No, no, Your Honor, could I hug her? So they get, it's okay with Amy, and whew, you can look it up, man. It's a, it's a powerful scene. She runs into his arms, and they embrace for over a minute. And all you can hear, it's like you can't hear a pin drop. Just, all you can hear is sobbing. But here's what happens. Generosity changes the atmosphere. The judge gets up from the bench. She comes down into the gallery. She hugs Jean's, the victim's, the guy that was murdered's mother. The judge, down in the gallery, hugging, hugging the mother. Then the judge comes over and hugs Amy. Then gives Amy a Bible and gives her some scripture to read. Now she's taking heat for it. I just wish we had more of that going on in our courtrooms. That's me on that one. I just, we need more of that. Less of this. Less of this demonizing everybody and making everybody your enemy. There was a moment of grace, and some people don't know how to handle it. They're like, that can't be right. She embraced and she loved because there was a moment of incredible generosity, giving. And each time you choose to give, you create an atmosphere for a change. We're going to ask you in a moment to give your life to God. I hope you do. Because God has been calling us all service for people to have that turnaround moment. Some of you have been living one way, and this is the day that things need to turn around for you. Turn around. Turn around. And the Holy Spirit's been calling you. But we learn this from Jesus, who gave generously and gave radically to change the atmosphere of the earth from one of selfishness and sin to grace and love and the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's uh, stand together. Can we do that for prayer? And um, let's close our eyes. and Let's open our hearts real wide to the presence of God and the most important voice in this room, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come and stand with me and just prepare to pray for you, pray over your life. Maybe to embrace you today and remind you that the king of the universe got up off the bench and he comes for you. And though it breaks all protocol, the king of the universe wraps his arms around you and loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, he loves you. And this is a day of turnaround. This is a service of turnaround. This is the Holy Spirit calling us to turn around. Just before I pray this prayer, where are our people that are here today and the Spirit of God has been calling you to be a turnaround moment in your life? 
you go, yeah, this, I, I came, I need to, things need to turn around in my life. And the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us about that. And you're here. And you say, that, Scott, I'm here, and I need a turnaround in my life, and I'm here, and I'm ready for that to happen. Will you put your hand up high enough for me? Where are those turnaround people? You're here today. Come on, show me where you are. Thanks. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, thanks. Glad you're here. I just want to identify. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad you're here. The Holy Spirit knew you'd be here, and he's calling you. to turn. Th- this is a turnaround day for you. A turnaround day. So you have faith. I'm going to ask you to do something in a moment, but you're going to turn things around. We're going to pray now. We're all going to open our hearts wide to the presence of Jesus and the power of Jesus. And everyone, please everyone, 100% of us, let's pray this prayer of grace and faith and Jesus being our Savior and our Lord as we lift our voice and we say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name and I open my heart to Jesus Christ. I, I turn away from my sins and I leave them behind. And I receive your love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. Thank you for loving me. Now fill me with the Spirit of Jesus. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Help me to turn things around with your power and your might and your anointing. To the glory of God we pray. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, now, first, let's let's have some turnaround. My turnaround people that are here, and could be any issue, could be Jesus or anything in your life. But I'm going to ask you, what, what the turnaround people, we want to pray for you first. So if you're, put your hand up, or you should have, or you're ready for a turnaround. Can you just slip out right now? I don't want to wait. Those people that need turnaround, just come, we won't pray for you. Can you? Come on. That's it. Come on. That's it. Come on. Yeah. Give them a little hand, a little encouragement. Come on. There are other people. Yeah, come on. Just come on. Yeah, come on up. They're going to pray for you. Yeah, come on. Give them a little encouragement. We, we want to pray. want to pray for turnaround. There's, there's some more. And you know, you know what keeps you where you are? Pride. It's deprideification when you walk forward. That's a word I just made up. Anybody else? I'm just telling you, there's some people. The Holy Spirit. So I can't let up. The Holy Spirit. Come on, I know you're here, dear. Thank you so much. So, the Holy Spirit began prophesying to us early in the service on this issue. That's why I'm drilling down on it. Because there's God-sized work that's taking place in the room right now. And only the kingdom of God, come on, only the kingdom of God will reveal the uh, eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, we're going to make it a little easier. We're going to sing. And then other people can come. You can pray for anything, too. Not just turn around. You need uh, blessing, healing, uh, provision, deliverance, free. All that's available. And our prayer team is here to pray for you and with you. And we want you to come and receive that prayer. Also, if you'd like to receive communion, there's a communion table on the left-hand side. And on the right-hand side, Holy Communion is open. You don't have to be a member of this church, just a friend of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. And remember that Jesus died on the cross for you, took away all your sin, all your shame. And uh, he's here, rose from the dead so he could be with you today. And he's right in this room to love you and to encourage you and to help you and to be your best friend. If you're here and uh, you've never gone through, uh, in a few moments I'm going to start teaching because I love you so much I just can't stop talking. 
I'm going to start teaching another seminar in a few minutes in the A hallway. You'd be welcome to come. It's about church and God and love and growing in grace. And you can come to room 10, A10. Yeah, A10. It's A. Thank you very much. A10. And we'd love you to spend that time with this one hour seminar. And um, I want to pray a blessing. And after that, you can come up for more prayer. You can come for communion. The worship community is going to lead us. The Holy Spirit is obviously here. And uh, let's pray. Lord, I just pray your blessing on your church and your people. Jesus, do everything that you want to do in our lives. You are our Savior and you are our Lord. And we give you our lives today. Bless our prayer team. May the Holy Spirit be doing miraculous things. May the gifts of the Holy Spirit come. Bless the communion, the bread, and the cup of the Lord as we receive with joy the message again on a fresh of salvation. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. And I bless you in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name, you are very, very blessed people. Love you so very, very much. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. Let's just give the Lord an ovation. Good to be together. Love you so much. And come forward, guys. Come forward for prayer and for communion. I'll be teaching 101 in about 15 minutes.